Green Book depicts a historical moment in an era of inequality and bias, where a story of a friendship could have done so much more. Green Book places a working-class Italian-American, Tony Bellalonga, commonly known as Tony Lip, with an African-American classical pianist, Dr. Don Shirley, on a tour of venues as employer and employee. The lines blur as they spend more and more time with each other, opening up a fragile friendship that indulges the audience into a feel-good comedy slash drama. What it doesn't do is get its facts straight. Within this episode, this analysis is more about revealing and exploring the history behind the Green Book and the characters involved, rather than analysis of the film on its own. And so we begin. This is two takes, and this is one shot, an analysis of the film Green Book. Spoilers are ahead. Please be aware that any description of persons that is deemed offensive or racist is based on a historical fact, not opinion. The title and subject matter, apart from the friendship between Tony Lip and Don Shirley, was a reference to the Negro Motorist Green Book, or Negro Traveller's Green Book, written and published by the Harlem-based post-employee Victor H. Green. This was a handbook or guide that helped African-American travellers find lodging, restaurants, and other businesses that would serve them whilst they drove on the roads of the US. Black families within this era had to plan their trips in a way white families did not. They had to plot a course in advance through friendly territory, packing extra food and gasoline in case they couldn't stop, understanding the importance of this guidebook and hoping for the best. Even things such as sundown towns, scattered and rarely marked, were towns that prohibited black people from driving on the roads at night in attempt to drive them away. This led to many being stopped and violently attacked or imprisoned. This was deemed as a law, and so, in towns that issued this, this was seen as nothing out of the ordinary. The Green Book itself was published in 1936 to 1966, with the 1962 edition, the year in which the film is set, being established in most of the US, Bermuda and the Caribbean, with some editions spilling into Mexico, Canada and Alaska. It wasn't restricted to states that explicit Jim Crow laws, as by this time it was everywhere, North and South America, crossing their borders, as mentioned before. The Jim Crow laws enforced racial segregation, a practice of restricting people to certain facilities and institutions such as libraries, restaurants, and even restrooms on the basis of race. This happened in the American South between the end of the Reconstruction period 1865 to 1877, following the American Civil War and the attempts made to readdress inequities of slavery and its legacy in a political, social and economic standpoint. From the Reconstruction period, this carried on into the beginning of the Civil Rights Movement in the 1950s. In a lawsuit named Plessy v. Ferguson decision, 1896, the US Supreme Court ruled that separate but equal facilities for African Americans did not violate the 14th Amendment, whilst also ignoring evidence that the facilities of African Americans were extremely inferior when compared to whites-only facilities. Now, for an important piece of history, the Green Book is rarely seen in the film and mentioned briefly at the beginning when given to Tony Lip, with Don Shirley apparently acting as though it doesn't exist 
or alarmingly does not know what it is, which cannot be true. This does not do its justice in exploring these important themes of inequality and race that subtly control the content behind the comedy slapstick friendship etched over the top. I found myself waiting to see why it was called the Green Book, without any prior knowledge of its history until now, only to be riddled with more questions. Why name this film Green Book if it is rarely going to be shown? I understand the implications of the importance of what the Green Book does for both Tony Lip and Don Shirley, but its small impression doesn't leave its mark on the entirety of the film. The importance instead is led on what is seen from both characters and how, like most comedies slash dramas, has a happy ending. There are moments of injustice and cruelty, of racism and slurs, but it doesn't seem to get to the belly of the beast. Like the very short scene of how we find out that Don Shirley is gay, found naked with another man in the showers, is never mentioned ever again throughout the entire film. It's almost like this film is showing only one side of the story. And amazingly, this is true. Let me explain. The Green Book, depicted in 1962, one year after The Freedom Riders, is directed by Peter Farrelly and written by Brian Hayes Curie and Nick Vallelonga. The story is based on the true story of Nick's father, Tony Lip, based on interviews and stories he had shared. These interviews about his time with Don Shirley was the main factor behind the film. It was in 2013 that both Tony Lip and Don Shirley died, three months apart. But okay, this is good. You have the information straight from the person's mouth, right? However, when Farrelly wanted to make a film about this, Don Shirley refused to participate, leaving the film to have an uneven viewpoint. And when they both died, it was even more biased. It gets even worse when there are scenes within the film that have actor Mahershala Ali playing Don Shirley, announcing that his character does not talk to his family and that he doesn't know where they are. I must note here that Ali phoned Don Shirley's relatives to respectfully apologise, which they accepted. Don Shirley's surviving relatives appear to have been erased from the story, with his brother Maurice and nephew Edwin both exclaiming the film twists the truth creating narrative falsehoods that have manipulated the friendship that Tony and Shirley had. They recall it being more of an employee-slash-employer relationship, whereas Edwin explains, Dr. Shirley never referenced to Tony as a friend, and called the relationship the only kind of relationship that Dr. Shirley ever had with any of the people he worked with. This lack of information for Don Shirley's character wasn't intentional based on two things. One, Tony Lip drew an impression of Don Shirley for his friends and family, and whilst making The Green Book, it might be believed that no one questioned whether or not it was honest, or whether anything was exaggerated or even left out. And two, a white filmmaker was attempting to capture the feelings of a black man about his character that would have been made by presumptions and assumptions based on the lack of information about his identity. Kay Austin Collins from The Vanity Fair explains further, it's really something. Everyone seems to agree that Tony Lip had a, shall we say, limited view of black Americans before meeting Shirley. According to his son, he was a product of his times. Italians live with Italians. The Irish live with the Irish. African Americans live with African Americans. The trip with Doddick Shirley, Valonga said, opened my father's eyes and changed how he treated people. Yet it is this man's account that became the basis of the entire film. 
This account, which, from his screenwriter's son's own admission, is informed by a limited, very 1960s, very white understanding of race. Though unreliable on its face, this understanding becomes our lens into the history of this specific black man, which I find to be a shame. The course of the film gives a loose side-lined perspective of race and inequality based on the memories of a white man about a black man. This black man, Dr. Don Shirley, is actually a fascinating character. Although we run around following Tony's redemptive qualities from his low-rent racism to radical acceptor of the black man, Don Shirley's character, because of the now understood backlash of lack of information, does not show his history. Dr. Don Shirley has done a lot. He has performed the Tchaikovsky concert with the Detroit Symphony. He wrote symphonies for the New York Philharmonic and Philadelphia Orchestra. He was part of the civil rights movement, attending the 1965 Selma to a Montgomery march. Don Shirley was an incredible man. The film doesn't do him justice, with the concept picking up the anguish and difference in race and equality by what Don Shirley was not allowed to do, and what Tony Lip watched happen, not fully understanding why. Think back to separate but equal. Don Shirley was not allowed to use the same restroom as white people, and Don Shirley's defiance for his type of action had him going to some extremes to basically make a point. An example could be during the break between a show. Don Shirley makes Tony Lip drive him back to his hotel, around 20 minutes away, so just so he could use the restroom in peace. But he wasn't being annoying, or inconvenient, or using the race card. He was trying to prove a point. This is made even more prominent after Tony Lip realises from Oleg's remark that Don Shirley chose to go to the Deep South to perform, even though it cost less money, with the belief that he could perhaps change some minds of the Southern folk to show his talent, and that the colour of his skin shouldn't matter. This was what should have been the main structure of the film. However, the lack of information, the biased stories, the friendship that might or might not have existed brings this film to be a confusing mix of misguided information. The guts of the film being sidelined for the feel-goodness of a friendship between black and white people, gliding over the real issues and ending it as a Christmas movie. The heart is in the right place, but the concept does not cut it. And so, the fatality lies in whether you, the audience, would have researched this backstory to find its heart in the first place. Hopefully, in some way, I have helped in this endeavour. If you enjoyed what was said, please follow me on Anchor, Spotify and other podcasting platforms for the latest episode. And be kept in the loop through my Instagram, at twotakes underscore podcast. If you want to help me in the making of each episode, there is a listener support platform that can benefit the levelling up of this podcast, as well as have you, the supporter, having access to extra content. Find this at anchor.fm slash twotakespodcast slash support. And as always, thanks for listening.